Welcome to the Lee Schools TV podcast. I'm Adam Wright. Joining us today is Marshall T. Bauer Esquire, president and CEO of the Foundation for Lee County Public Schools. Marshall, thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, we have a lot to get to today because you guys do a lot of wonderful things uh, in partnership with the school district. Now, you don't you don't work for the school district, but you're a vital partner with us. So, for the people who don't know, can you kind of explain? what the Foundation for Lee County Public Schools is and and what you guys do? Absolutely, my pleasure. So the Foundation for Lee County Public Schools is a not-for-profit 501c3 organization. Uh, We were formed about 33 years ago. Uh, The business community got together with uh, the then superintendent of the schools and the chairman of the um, school board back then uh, because the movement around the country was to form education foundations that partner with K through 12 institutions. Uh, and the reason w- that you know evolved that way was a lot of um, K through 12, as we know, um, systems don't have adequate funding. Um, and even if they do, engaging the community in what's going on with our, our educators and our students is a win-win for everyone. But they looked at the success that was going on at the post-secondary level with regard to universities and colleges and the foundations that they had that would work hand-in-hand with them, supporting them. And and Betty Castor, who was the commissioner of education back then, said, why aren't we doing this for K through 12? And really started a movement along those lines, especially in Florida, obviously. So we're one of the very first ones that ever performed. The, The business community recognized Um, back then in 1985 and 86 that um, truly they have a stake in what's going on in our public school system because that's their future employees, uh, that's their future decision makers for this community. Um, So there was a real interest in in seeing how we could partner with the school district to enhance and enrich what's already going on. Have you been with it since the beginning, or when did you get involved? No, that's an interesting thing. I'm a reformed lawyer, as I like to tell people, and I had a whole different life as as a lawyer. Um, And in that role, I served on the Foundation's Board of Directors um, for about 10 years prior to assuming the position I have now. Um, I was going to semi-retire in my um, mid-40s, you know, the dream that everyone has. And then the position here came open to lead the foundation in some new directions and expand what we were doing. And um, they hired me to do that. I said I'd do it for a few years. It's been 12. Uh, And the reason for that is I love what I do. I love working with the school district employees, um, from the administrators to teachers, and, and obviously working with students. So I took on that kind of a, of a role and been in it ever since. How many, um, how many people work with, for the foundation? How many employees? So there's That's a dozen of us. Them. Yeah, there's a dozen staff there now. Staff. Um, and we, we occupy the old Gwynn building. Um, you know, as, as, as I indicated, we were actually formed out of a partnership with the school district. And so while we don't work as employees of the school district, um, we've got a very strong relationship because that's who we um, service, if, if you want to put it in those terms, are the educators and the students in the school district. So serving, we have our own board of directors. Um, we've been a business-led organization since we were formed. Uh, but we also have serving on our board of directors, whoever the superintendent is for the, for the school district. The superintendent also serves on the executive committee of the foundation's board. And whoever happens to be the chair of the school board also serves as a member of um, 
our board of directors. So there's that partnership uh, in so many ways. We're, we're you know hooked up to the school district through um, the pony system, the inner office mail system, through our computer systems. So it really lends itself to a great relationship. And obviously every initiative or program that we do is done in partnership with the schools because we couldn't do it without that partnership. Okay, so yeah, like I mentioned before, you do a lot of wonderful things. So we're going to go through all the different programs. You offer scholarships and uh, other recognitions for students and teachers. So we're going to go through all those. Let's start with uh, some special programs that you uh, provide and offer for students. And one that's coming up soon is STEMtastic Day of Discovery, which will be here at the uh, Public Education Center on Colonial Boulevard in Fort Myers on February 9th. So talk to us about what STEMtastic Day of Discovery is and why sh people should be excited about it. So STEMtastic Day of Discovery, in my opinion, is one of the coolest things that we do. Um, it's part of our overall STEM at Work initiative. The STEM at Work initiative was born uh, five, ten years ago um, out of a, the need um, to help our students and our educators, for that matter, understand the importance of why we are teaching our kids science, technology, engineering, and math, and how it's applicable in the real world. So leading up to STEMtastic, we take around 400 students throughout the year into various businesses. Um, the way all of us learn um, best is by doing, and so we bring them out to do hands-on kinds of things. Um, throughout the year so that they get an interest in, or hopefully they get an interest in, some type of STEM career, because really that's what is the now and the future. And quite frankly, I can think of nothing that doesn't involve STEM. Um, but STEMtastic Day of Discovery is kind of like the capping event for that whole thing. It's where we bring the schools together, the business community together, in a real kind of fair-like atmosphere, if you will, um, where the public is invited, mostly the families of the students come. Each year we have several thousand students and, and their, their families come to these things to see what's offered in all of our schools around STEM, to see what businesses are offering around STEM, and in my estimation, the most important thing is to give those students, whether they're pre-K all the way through 12, the opportunity to do things with their hands around STEM um, to show them why it's important for them to um, study science, technology, engineering, and math. Yeah, I was so um, last year was the first one that I had have experienced, and it was really cool. Just, we line all the different wings of the building here, including the outside with different exhibits, um, showcasing cool projects that our students are taking part in. And it was just really cool to see kids getting excited about science, technology, engineering, and math. Yeah, everyone needs to come see that. Um, I've been told year after year um, by parents of, of children, this is one of the coolest things in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, their students are getting an interest in, in, in things that they didn't maybe have an interest in before. And for that matter, so are their parents, so it's kind of fun to watch. I should also mention a few years ago, we brought in a third partner, so that's obviously a partnership with the Foundation for Lee County Public Schools and the school district. We brought in the Edison Pageant of Light um, to partner with us. Uh, we were doing it at the um, Harborside Event Center, but that's now under construction, so we've moved it back to the school district, but they bring another piece of it. 
Um, so it, it, it really opens this up as a community-wide type of event. You're partnering with them again this year? or in- We are partnering yeah. with them again this year. All right. Um, so we'll put the graphic up uh, on the screen. It's, again, February 9th here at the Public Education Center on Colonial Boulevard. I believe it's from 10 to 3. 10 to, right. Uh, and free to attend. Yes. Yep. Uh, so we hope to see everybody here on that day. It's a really fun day and, uh, you know, it's open for families, kids of all ages will really enjoy it. And uh, another program that you do for students, something that we uh, film right here in our studio, is the A-Team Challenge, ACE for academic team. Um, tell us about that. So really, I'm, I'm going to age myself by saying cool constantly, but another really cool initiative in my, in my opinion, and I think most people will agree when you see it. So if anybody's familiar with Jeopardy, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of um, takes off on that type of a game show. Like a quiz it, bowl. Like a of. quiz bowl, right? Uh, and it's an opportunity for us to showcase the brightest of the bright that we have in the Lee County School District and beyond. Mm-hmm. So we invite um, from the six county area here, high schools to participate. And I believe last year we had 33 different high schools participating. So it really opens up that challenge to all of our students, which is a real world challenge. You're not just competing with your neighbor, you're actually competing with people on the other side of the world now. We don't invite people from China to come here, but we do from, from the six county area. It's an elimination type of a, of a game, and, and I would invite people to, to tune in to see the, the semifinals and the finals that are aired on NBC2. Um, we film it right here at the um, Lee County Education Center. Uh, it, you will be in awe of these students, um, you know, when they read out a math problem. Um, and usually it's an NBC2 personality that hosts this for us. Uh, the kids are buzzing in on those things before I've even begun to write down what I think the, yeah. the, the formula is or whatever it yeah. is that you're doing. Uh, so it really inspires you and, and lets you know just how bright our kids really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that'll be coming up uh, after the break next semester. Right. We'll get that underway, so stay tuned for that. Um, you also have a college and career center available for students as well. Yeah, so we've got a lot of college and career initiatives that we offer through the college and career center. Um, everything from our Future Makers program, which is really all about getting students to fill out those darn financial aid forms, the FAFSA forms. My mom, uh, yeah, pulled her hair out many times <laughs> filling those out. I've heard those stories a million times. I'm so old, you didn't have to do it back when I was going. But almost everyone that is going to do anything post-secondary learning-wise um, really needs to fill out those financial aid forms. It, it opens up all kinds of... of, of um, opportunities in terms of getting funding for schools, scholarships, grants, those kinds of things. Most colleges require you to fill it out anyway, uh, but uh, it's, you know, it's a federal program, it's a federal application, and it's not the easiest thing in the world. So we go around and we help children and students and their families fill those things out in Future Makers. Um, we have the STEM at Work program that I've already alluded to. Take Stock and Children and our STAMP programs fall under those initiatives. Um, Both of them are mentoring slash scholarship types of programs, helping um, our students um, make that great decision they've got to make sometime about what are you going to do when you graduate from high school. 
Uh, when we looked at the data several years ago, we were seeing that two-thirds of the students, and not just Lee County and not just Southwest Florida, but the whole state and indeed the whole nation, if you asked a typical senior, what are you going to do when you graduate from high school, unfortunately, the answer oftentimes is I haven't the slightest clue or I don't know. Um, we all know how competitive the world is now in the marketplaces. So the earlier we can get students to start thinking about what they're gonna do with their future, the better off. That doesn't mean they can't change their minds a million times, but just so they've got a plan in place. Um, so Take Stock in Children is basically a program that is offered to kids that are economically disadvantaged. Many of them, no one in their family has ever been um, to college before. Uh, and you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so that's an, you have to apply to get into that program. Um, once you get into it, there are huge benefits. Um, we match the child with a mentor, um, just another caring adult in their lives to help give them advice and everything from personal matters to what should I be taking in high school to prepare myself to be an engineer, if that's what they want to be, uh, and everything in between. So the mentors play a really, really um, good piece of this, and, and I'm a huge fan of mentoring, um, whether it's through Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or through our tech stock or stamp programs or whatever, the data is there that indicates if you've got another positive role model in your life, um, the opportunities for you are, you know, exponentially increased in terms of graduation rates, in terms of going to college. Um, I will tell you that when you look at the demographic of child that we bring in to, to take stock in children, their graduation from high school rate is around 50%. When we look at the data that we've been gathering, we've been close to 100% graduation rate for the students we bring in there. Um, the carrot at the end of all of this, and we bring kids in in either the sixth or ninth grade, if they follow the rules that they sign with us, saying they're going to be crime-free, drug-free, uh, you know, be good citizens at school and in their communities and meet with their mentor on a regular basis and maintain a certain GPA, they've got a four-year college tuition scholarship that goes to them. Um, stamp program is similar to take stock, except for maybe those students that we bring into that program. They don't have a guaranteed scholarship, but we certainly work with them to get scholarships. We again pair them with a mentor. Those students may, may or may not know what they're going to do. Um, take stock and children kids know at least they want to go to college. Um, stamp kids may want to go to college or they may want to go get post-secondary education of another kind, like attending one of our marvelous technical colleges mm -hmm. and, and going into um, that type of field, whether it's auto mechanics, marine mechanics, air conditioning installation, um, all of those things that we've got to make sure that the message is not every student has to go to college. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you um, can make a good living. You can make a great college, living. Yeah. I can tell you if my plumbing didn't work when I got home tonight, I'm in trouble. I'm calling the plumber. Mm -hmm. um, if my car breaks down when I want to leave this building, I'm in trouble. I'm calling the mechanic. So we've got to realize that, that what we really need to be telling our, our, our young people is think about something you're really interested in. Think about what you're really good at. And think about what the marketplace is with regard to that and where that meets um, that's really the direction you need to start looking at. Do you know roughly how many students every year, uh, you know, go through, participate in these programs, take, talk, take stock in children and, and the stamp program? Yeah, um, so we've got about 190 students that are active in our take stock in children program now. We are continuing to grow that. 
Um, we grow it because one of the things I just told you, based upon funding that we get, and, 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 and one of the things I like to tell people who are interested in, in investing in our students, first of all, investing in our students is, is to me, the gift that keeps on giving. Um, because once you have a solid education, uh, the chances of you getting involved in other nefarious types of things in life. Um, I know this from being a former prosecutor. Um, the more education you have, the less opportunity you're going to get or chance you're going to get involved with delinquent or criminal activity. The less chance you're going to become homeless. The healthier you're going to be. All the data that goes along with the more education you have, it's, it's true and we need to follow that. So the Take Stock and Children program, one of the limits about the number of students we can bring in is, as I indicated, we purchase a scholarship for every one of them. Um, scholarships are not cheap, um, but the good news is for every dollar we raise to purchase scholarships through Take Stock and Children, it's matched by the state of Florida up to a, a certain amount. Um, so the more that we can get in terms of funding for that, the more scholarships we can buy, the more students we can bring in. STAMP is a relatively new program that we just started a few years ago, and it's growing um, each year. So we're trying to bring in more and more students with regard to that. But when you look at um, STEM at Work, Take Stock and Children, STAMP, um, we've got you know a couple thousand kids that are involved in the program. That's awesome. So yeah, so these scholarships that you provide, as you said, you rely on donations from the community, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the Take Stock and Children one, I've, I've already explained. We have a number of other types of, of scholarships. Some of them are memorial scholarships. Some, the Jeff Summer Scholarship is one that comes to mind real quickly. Um, Jeff was a coach and teacher down in Estero, well-loved by everyone. Um, he had an untimely death, and the family wanted to do something in his memory. Um, so we've got a scholarship that has certain kinds of of qualifications around runners and those kinds of things, GPA, because that's what Jeff did. Um, so we have those kinds of scholarships. Um, we have the Hagee Scholarship, again, named after a former employee um, of the school district. He was a longtime administrator here. He passed away. His family wanted to do something in his honor. So we've got that kind of a scholarship. There are a number of them, if you go to our website, that you can see um, to help our kids um, with that, you know, paying for the expense of a post-secondary education. What's the website for people that are interested? www.leeschoolfoundation.org. All right. We'll put that up on the screen as well. Uh, a couple other things uh, that you offer for students that I wasn't really aware of, but then I saw on your website, too, that uh, seemed really cool was uh, dancing classrooms. Tell me about that. Yeah, you, you've got you to come see that sometime. Yeah. Um, it is really an, a neat program. So... And I'll tell you a little bit about the history because it illustrates what the foundation is all about. And, and we're all about engaging the business community specifically, but the community at large with what's going on in our public school system through our initiatives, programs, mentoring, and all the other things that, that we do there. So when I started, I received a phone call from Margaret Antonier, who is the um, president and CEO of Miramar Development. Um, someone that I had known a little bit, and she called up and said, I've got this really cool program I learned about when I was in New York City called Dancing Classrooms. And I said, oh my gosh, Margaret, that, you know, 
We really want to do serious stuff here. Um, she said, come down and see what this is all about. So I went down. It was a program at that time that was offered throughout New York City um, and in other places like Texas and elsewhere. There were no dancing classrooms programs in the state of Florida. We were the first. Um, so Margaret showed me what that was all about. There was a movie made about it way back when starring Antoni Antonio Banderas as Pierre Dulane, and Pierre Dulane is known as the greatest living ballroom dancer, he and his partner Yvonne Marceau. Um, they, as part of wanting to give back, um, designed this dancing classrooms program to teach young students in New York City at the time um, that they needed to have self-respect, that they needed to treat each other with dignity and respect. Um, that they needed to learn that there were different cultures in the world. And they did this through the art of dance. So it's a program that offers kids how to learn how to do the tango and the rumba and, and, and other ballroom dances. But they also then learn a little bit about the culture of where the dance came from. They also learn a little bit about the geography of where the dances originated from. But most importantly, they learn and find um, self-respect, um, pride. Um, how to treat each other like young ladies and young gentlemen. And indeed, the data, because um, we are a, a, um, a foundation that thrives on gathering data so that we're making sure that the limited money and the money that we are um, entrusted with by our donors is put to its best use, is to look at the data and see if it's doing what we want it to do, which is affect overall student achievement. So when we looked at some of the data. We hired, actually, somebody to come in uh, and look at the data after we'd been doing it for a couple of years. And indeed, it was doing what we thought it was doing. I knew it anecdotally from principals telling me this or family members telling me this. Um, but dancing classroom participants had less referrals um, for behavioral issues. Their truancy rate went down. Their test scores went up. Um, principals would tell me they don't participate in the club called after-school detention that they hold if they're involved with, with our program. Um, mothers were calling me up and saying, oh my gosh, I just came home from work and my son, um, who was starting to get in so much trouble and really wasn't engaging with me, asked if he could teach me how to do the tango. Um, you know, those kinds of stories. So this is a program that, that uh, I'm really happy that uh, Mrs. Antonier called me up and, and brought in. They're the major sponsor of it. We have other sponsors now, um, but we primarily offer it at Title I schools um, so that students who probably would never, ever have that opportunity um, get that opportunity. Fun. Uh, and then the other thing I want to talk about was kids tag art. So that's where students create art for license plates. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that one up. Again, it's illustrative of the partnerships that we like to form. And this one happens to be with the tax collector. So our tax collector, Larry Hart, and I are actually very old friends. And, and he called me up and said, I've heard of this new program called Kids Tag Art. We're always interested in the foundation, not only with STEM initiatives, but we like to put that A in there, um, the arts. STEAM. STEAM, um, you know, because all too often, uh, unfortunately, when decisions are made about cutting funding, we cut the arts and we cut physical education. 
um, the very things that we know that the data says that our students who are engaged in the arts and physical education do better in science, technology, engineering, and math. Mm -hmm. Um, so this was another opportunity to, to get involved with um, the whole arts um, education piece. It's really cool in that the students that are involved in this program design templates that are then turned into the vanity license plates that you can put on your car. Um, they're put on display at the various tax collector's office. They're on our website. They're on the tax collector's websites. Parents can buy the tags that their students have designed. Uh, and then the money that we receive through the um, sponsorships and through the sale of the license tags, we return right to the classroom, to the art teachers that are involved, so that they have um, some more funds to do some more um, interesting things in their classroom that they may not otherwise be able to do. Very cool. Uh, we talked uh, about the different scholarships, uh, several different ones that you guys offer. Real quick, um, if people want to apply, how does that work for the scholarships? So go on our website. We've become actually computerized in terms of how you apply for them now, but it will direct you to what you need to do. Various scholarships open at different times, so it would be no good for me to go through them sure. right now. But that information is available on there. You fill out an, uh, um, a questionnaire, if you will, and it will then tell you which one of the scholarships is most applicable to you. Um, so that you're not filling out applications just to fill them out. They really are something that may um, be applicable to you and, and whatever it is you want to study or your background or whatever. Uh, and then fill out those applications. Um, all of our applications for our scholarships go to various committees who will rank them. Uh, and then based on the ranking and the amount of funding that we have available in them, um, the students are chosen for those scholarships. And one more time, the website www.leeschoolfoundation.org. Yeah, sorry, I should have been more prepared and had That's that all right. so I could have said it. Uh, all right, so that, you know, all those different programs, the scholarships, great things that you do for the students, that's that's only part of what you do at the foundation. You know, obviously the, the work you do for our teachers is, is a big part as well. And of course, a lot of people are, they know about the Golden Apple Teacher Recognition Award that uh, you award to uh, teachers every single year. So tell us about the Golden Apple. Great, I'd love to. Actually, the Golden Apple Teacher Recognition Program is the very first initiative that the foundation um, proceeded with. It was, again, um, the business community that formed us way back then. Um, and by the way, some of those business leaders are still working with us um, 33 years later on that. Uh, and in fact, the uh, Taylors, Bob and Linda Taylor, who were the chief architects of the Golden Apple Teacher Recognition Program, are still involved with us with regard to that program. But the, the, that program was brought about because of the recognition, again, by our leaders in the business community that we really need to start shining the light on one of the, the um, most underrated and, and uh, professions and not really paid much attention to. Uh, and when there's finger pointing going on about what's going on, we all point at the teachers. Um, this one was to show the other side, um, that teachers really, and, and I used to say, are one of the most important. I don't say that anymore. The more I've done this, the more I understand they are the most important profession that we have in our society. Before there were lawyers and doctors and architects and all of the engineers and all of those other things, there were teachers. And so this program has kind of two sides to it. The public knows the one big side, which is shining the light on our teaching profession. 
Uh, so every year we send out nominations um, to the community um, to nominate. Anybody can nominate a teacher, whether it's the family of a student, the student, uh, fellow teachers, principals, um, that kind of thing. That being said, the majority of the nominations come from our students or their families. Uh, so last year, for example, and it's really heartwarming to see this, the, the number of our, of our community that gets involved in this nomination process, um, this year we had over 6,000 nominations wow. that we received. So it tells you um, a little different story than I think people are used to. Most people, if you ask them about the teacher that they have or the teacher that their, student, their, their children have, they tell you they're the greatest thing in the world. So it, it begs the question, where are all these bad teachers that everyone is talking about? Um, but it also gives the opportunity then for us to recognize these teachers in a very public way, um, to show them that the community, the business community specifically, but the community at large is supportive of what they, they are doing. It gives the opportunity to tell some of their stories, if you will, for the community. So we go through a long, arduous process. It's not for every teacher. You may not want to lay your life out there on the line on this. And we understand that. Um, but we really promote it and say, somebody nominated you, please apply for this. Um, and when you do apply, you've got to go through a long process. So we have around, this year, I think, 400 teachers that have applied to come into the program. Um, they are then subjecting themselves to an application that's changed every year. It's an essay type of application. It's not easy. They fill that out. It goes to a selection committee of, of independent business and community leaders that we formulate every year. They read all of those applications and rank them. Uh, the top 100 of those are what we call our teachers of distinction for that particular year. The top 30 or so of them are what we call our finalists. Um, the finalists are then visited by every member of that selection committee in their classroom without any knowledge up front when they're coming to see ah. them. Um, and that gives the opportunity for that real kind of observation about how is this person, this teacher relating to their students? Are they sharing the love of learning? Are they engaging them in, in the, the um, learning process? Those kinds of things, they're ranked on that. Um, and then the third part of the process is because teaching is a profession and we want everyone to know that, we bring them in for a professional interview with the members of the selection committee and they are then um, rated on that. The accumulation of all of those different ratings um, helps us choose the six Golden Apple recipients. Notice I didn't call them winners, we call them recipients. Um, obviously they're huge winners in life, but we want everyone to understand, we're not saying this is the six best teachers this year. What we are saying is they're the six best representatives of all of the great teachers that we've got in the school district. Um, and then there are many events that we put on for the 100 Teachers of the Distinction, the finalists, and, as well as the, um, the actual Golden Apple recipients throughout the year, including socials, where we bring the business community in to um, network with them. Um, they get to network with each other. They get to network with administrators and school board members. Um, they get to network with um, prior Golden Apple recipients, all with the hope that there's going to be a sharing of best practices going on. Um, an understanding by the community of what these teachers do um, every year. And I think that really um, has grown and become part of the fiber, if you will, of the school district here, um, which we love seeing going on. 
What people don't know is the other part of this. So any funds that we receive through sponsorships or any of the other programs connected with Golden Apple go right back into the Golden Apple Teacher Recognition Program in terms of teacher development. Um, so we work with the school district hand in hand um, to offer you know, the most up-to-date type of training to our teachers. And we kind of geared a little bit towards the business angle um, so that teachers, when, for example, we teach them how to gather data, analyze data, and make decisions based on data. Um, so that the decisions they're making with regard to limited funding that we've got available for education is um, the best decisions that can possibly be made. Not just what sounds warm and fuzzy, but what's really affecting the bottom line um, of student achievement. Well, one thing I've learned, um, you know, now that I work for the school district is, like you said, very long, arduous process for those that go through it. You said 6,000 nominations and then you know 400 apply and i'm sure there's tons of teachers out there because I, I you know we've had three golden apple recipients on the podcast so far and i remember when we had uh, jim kroll on i think it was episode six mariner from mariner middle uh you know he talked about how when he his his kids kind of had to push him to to apply because they're they're very humble you know, they don't want to, They, you know, some of them, you know, appreciate the recognition, but they don't necessarily want the limelight and they, you know, like they're humble, so they don't want to go through it. So, so many that don't apply are worthy as well, but you kind of got to prepare yourself to you know, Absolutely. do a little bit of bragging and, yep. you know. And we tell, I tell them that. I know my staff tells them that and our board tells them that. If you choose not to apply, that's great. Um, but if you at all feel like you can do this, and again, we're not asking you to brag about yourself. We're just asking you to talk about what you do in your profession. Mm -hmm. um, and because you're so good at it, we really want to share that information with everyone else. But it, it gives that opportunity for teachers to tell the community um, through telling their story. Um, and the story's told with students as well as, as the teachers, which is the real cool part about it at the banquet. Um, that we really need to, as a community, get behind our educators. Um, God knows they're not paid a lot of money for what they're doing, and they, they deserve it. Um, they're doing it for the love of children. They're doing it for the love of learning. And the more that gets out there, the more that our community says, well, you know, we really should be doing something about education. It's not any longer the state of Florida is the place you move to to just retire. Um, and even if you do move here to retire and you get sick, the ambulance driver that's coming to pick you up was probably a graduate of the Lee County yeah. School District. The nurse that's going to greet you when you get to the hospital, very good chance the same thing. Um, all the way through your care. And that's just one example. Yeah, you want your property values to be your, high tuned. Exactly. Good schools are a part of that. Exactly. So when, when, you know, when I go into some of these retirement and gated communities and they say, why am I interested? I paid for this up north. My kids went to school in New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, wherever it was. And, and I say, yeah, but you live here. Mm -hmm. And you got services now. And just what you said, Adam, we live in paradise. But it's not going to stay paradise uh, if you don't have well-educated students that are making, then will become the adults that are making the decisions around the environment, around um, will Social Security even be available for me when I retire, um, around all of those things that we tend not to think about. Yeah, and I, I read on your website that since its inception 30 years ago or so that 
you've uh, you know, awarded 177 teachers with the Golden Apple. Yeah, um, and that's one of the really cool things. When you come to our, our office building, you'll see their pictures throughout the place. And it's always fun to watch community members come in um, and look, oh, that was my sixth grade teacher, um, you know, those kinds of things. Or to watch students come in and run from one to one and one, and, and you hear them saying, oh, they really were a great teacher, um, those kinds of things. So, yeah, we've got a, a, a wide network now of Golden Apple recipients. We call them the Academy of Teachers, and they remain engaged with us. So we get feedback from them on what's going on in the classroom, what's working, what's not working. So we can pass that along to administrators and others that are in, in a position to make decisions around that. More importantly, we can bring those actual teachers um, that have been recognized as the best of the best to deal with our, to deal with, to, to um, engage with our school board members, with our superintendent, with other administrators and principals um, about what they have um, as suggestions for improving our education system. So it really, and they get to share it with, you know, the people that fund those decision makers, the business people who donate to the politicians who are running, um, so that everyone is aware that we really need to be um, circling the wagons, if you will, around this very important issue of public education. And I know that when it comes time to uh, announce the winners or the recipients, uh, that you visit each school and surprise them in their classroom during, uh, you know, a lesson or something, and you give them the the golden apple. And so, what's that? I know you you go. That's and, my favorite time yeah. of the year. Um, some people assume it's the big, you know, the big banquet where we get dressed up and, you know, in, in the monkey suit and everything. Um, I, I shouldn't say that. It's a beautiful event um, that it really does shine the light on the teaching profession. But the real fun for me is to go into those classrooms. We do it unannounced so they don't have the slightest clue that we're coming in. And I love to watch the teachers, but more importantly, I love to watch the students, whether they're kindergartners or they're seniors. Um, the joy with that those students have in uh, that their teacher is being recognized in such a way is you know just unbelievable. And you do other things for teachers as well. You've got uh, classroom grants as well. So classroom grants and our education resource center were both um, conceived, if you will, because of um, some of the things that we all know, but we really don't believe. For example, I'd heard for years and years and years, you know, teachers reach into their own pockets to pay for things that are going on in the classroom. Um, that's a very, very, very true statement. Mm -hmm. um, and teachers, as we've, I've already said before, don't get paid a ton. And they're still doing that, um, reaching into their pockets. So the classroom grants and the school grants program allows us, again, it's another match program for every dollar we raise. We can get the, the, um, um, the legislature to match it up to a certain point. Uh, this allows for teachers to apply for grants to do innovative types of things that they would never otherwise be able to do in their classroom because of a lack of funding. Um, and where there is funding, it sometimes is directed, you got to use it for this and that. So it gives teachers the opportunity to think up in their head, what would I love to do if I had the funds to do it? Um, apply for a grant. Again, an independent group of, of committee members um, rank them. And then every year we give out grants, whether it be at the um, classroom level or the school level or a department level, 
um, to do really hands-on, innovative types of things. Um, the other neat thing about it is um, we require that any teacher or um, principal or other administrator that gets a grant, they have to be doing reporting back to us and that the reporting has to show the data and how that those funds made a difference, again, on the bottom line of student achievement. Um, and so it really perpetuates the, the ability to um, grow those kinds of things every year. Teachers or Education Resource Center does a lot of the same things in terms of helping out where teachers normally would reaching into their own pockets. Um, so if a teacher needs supplies, we're open two days a week. They can come in and just get them for free. Um, if there's things that, that we don't have that they may need, we've got a network of people out there that we can reach out to. So if they get in touch with Beverly Burke, and he, all the teachers know her, um, and say, I need X, Y, Z, and we don't have it available, Bev's out there throughout the community, and she'll find it, I can guarantee it, and, and get it to them. Uh, it goes further than that, though. Sometimes people don't think about homeless issues when we think about the Lee County School District. Um, well, we've got several hundred students that are homeless at any given time. And when you just think about that, it boggles the mind. I could never imagine being homeless as a child and still thinking about, I got to go to school. Um, but we've got them. Uh, and they obviously are in need of a lot of things. It could be everything from glasses to hearing aid to clothing to, to you know, after the hurricane, for example, um, they didn't have mattresses because their beds were ruined. So we help through our education resource center on those kinds of, of supply type things. We put them together. Um, being such great partners with the school district, we can put it into the pony system. It's delivered to the school in um, not an embarrassing way. The teachers can get it right to the students themselves um, without anybody else needing to know. That's awesome. So, I mean, we've gone through, uh, you know, the, the list of all the great things that you do for students and teachers here in, in Lee County. If there's anything I missed, let me know. Uh, but you said you, so you've been the head of the foundation for 12 years now. You said, what is it that, what is it about what you do for our community that, you know, keeps you going every year and, you know, helps you get out of bed every morning? Well, I've, I've been a child advocate for my whole life, basically. Um, I didn't have a choice. I was voluntold when I was a child. Um, my mom was, is, had, always was a, a child advocate. She was a director of nursing at All Children's Hospital in St. Pete. It's the very first place I ever did volunteer work. Um, but it inculcated in me um, that the youngest of our citizens um, are, are really obviously need the most um, of our support. Um, and for various reasons, and we could sit here and talk about the breakdown of the family and all those kinds of things. But if you ever have the opportunity, I know you've done this, um, Adam, where you're working with, with kids, um, there's that aura of innocence. Um, there's that aura of you can do whatever you want to do if you can dream it. Um, somehow that gets squashed down a bit the older we get. I love watching that and working with kids to do that. So I've been a, a, a child advocate for, for a long time. Uh, I saw what happened when I was a prosecutor when we don't support um, our greatest asset, our students, and the stupid decisions that they can make. 
don't get me wrong, I think people need to be held accountable for their decisions, but we need to give them the proper tools to make the best decisions they can possibly make. Um, so I've been involved with the Children's Hospital and a lot of other mentoring programs, and I could sit here and talk about them from now till doomsday, but the best part about working where I work now is I work with educators. And in my mind, education is the greatest prevention tool going. It's the greatest intervention tool there is out there. It's the great equalizer in this country. Uh, we believe in educating all of our students. Doesn't matter what their background, doesn't matter what their intellectual or physical abilities are, everyone deserves an education. And by doing so, we lift up all of us. Um, because a well-educated uh, community is the cornerstone for a thriving community. And, and the more we understand that, and if you just believe in data, you can find it all over the place. Um, I'm not saying that people with PhDs and master's degrees and JDs and all that stuff don't commit crimes and don't get home, in, into homeless situations. They do, but at a very much less rate. Um, than an educated citizenry. So the more we can do that, um, you support our students and our teachers, because ultimately they're the ones that are, that's where the rubber meets the road in terms of um, having that, the greatest effect on our, our, our young people other than families, um, is our teachers. The more we can do that kind of thing, the better off we all are. Sounds like a good place to end it unless there's anything else you want no, to say I, you know there are a lot of other things that, as you said that we're involved in um, but I think we've covered the main things um, I would like to add in we're you know we are very partnered now with the school district on its vision 2020 um, and whatever that will turn into as we move forward envision 2030 yes I, 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 and I know that's that's what's coming um, but we're helping around those issues too um, so we're working on the areas of teacher retention, um, teacher recruitment. Um, we do special events to help our teachers network in the community and feel like this is home to them. Um, we're working, uh, we have like a Golden Future Scholarship where we're working with Golden Apple teachers to grow our own teachers here in the school district. So there's various other ways that we're doing it and we change and add things all the time. My staff doesn't necessarily love it when I'm gone from the office because they never know when I'm going to come back and say, guess what we're doing now. Um, but we have the support of our board, which is made up of the business community. We couldn't do it without them. We have the support of the school board and, and Dr. Atkins and, and his cabinet and, and all of the principals. Otherwise, we wouldn't be successful. And I think everyone working together to help guarantee, I said it before, I'll say it again, our community's greatest asset, our children, um, have every opportunity to succeed um, the more we all succeed. All right. Um, and for anybody out there watching or listening who is interested in, in getting involved in, uh, in any way, what's the best way for them to do that? They can go to our website again um, and let us know. That way they can give us a call at 337-0433. Um, we always have need for, for mentors, and that can be everyone um, you know who's um, working to, to you know, the retirement community. Um, we always obviously have need for funding to grow these programs. Um, we volunteers in other ways to come in and work with our students and our teachers and our various programs. Committee membership to help us along the lines of deciding, you know, where we're going to make our decisions in certain of our programs. So there's a plethora of opportunities that we encourage everyone 
um, to get involved with us. All right. Marsha Bauer, President and CEO, the Foundation for Lee County Public Schools. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Adam. All right. And thank you for watching and listening. We'll see you next time.